Let's talk. You have a Doug in your life? Someone who is sitting at a table there and, uh, you know, you've, uh, you've, you've delivered the message and you just want so badly, want so badly for the Doug in your life to get it. And you've been praying and you finally got the opportunity and... Um, and this is why we're having this series called Conversations, because we want to, we want to get better, um, better skilled. We want to uh, get better trained, better equipped at having spiritual discussions. And so we're going to talk about a conversation that Jesus had today with someone. And, you know, before you even get to the table, you, you, it, it, it kind of requires a little process that, that, that happens. And, and one part of the process is curiosity. That Doug's got to get curious. Did you sense that in the uh, discussion that we overheard here? There was a, there was a moment when curiosity was aroused, that, that the person that you're trying to reach, they notice something about your life, and, and then they put the question on the table. We're going to see how the people in our lives need to become curious about our, our faith and what we believe and how we come across. You're not even, if, if they don't become curious, you're not going to get to the table. And, and then part of this process, too, is the ability to succinctly state the gospel just in, in simple terms and on, on short notice, you know, at a moment's notice that you can just deliver the message all right. So you've got curiosity, and you've got succinctly stating the gospel, and then you've got succinctly stating the gospel, but, but, but also attaching with that some sort of word picture, a word picture that will lodge in people's minds and help them remember and process and think. And so curiosity, succinctly stated uh, message, and then a, a message with a word picture, and then, and this is the hardest, once you deliver the message... You've got to let God do his work. That is so hard because, you know, you want Doug to get it now. And you want to, you want to have Doug get, come to faith now. And you want to just, you know. And so often we get in the way of the work that God is trying to do, you know, in Doug's life, whoever Doug may be to us. And so curiosity aroused Succinctly stated message, word picture, and then give God time to do his work, all right? That trail is kind of where we're going today, and we're going to look at the life of someone in the gospel of John named Nicodemus. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to read John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. It's found on page 751 of your church Bibles. And uh, I just want you to be thinking about how this process unfolds, what I just explained to you here, especially as we look at the life of this man named Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. 
In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Well, today we look at a conversation that Jesus had with, uh, with a pastor, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. And, <laughs> you know, pastors need to be converted. And, I, I mean, you know, I don't think like a believer. I don't, uh, unbeliever, I don't even think like a believer. I think like a pastor. And, and so often, yeah, I think because of our culture, we live in this we live in this country of meritocracy where you know you do work and then you get paid for the work and you work overtime and then you get the fruits of that and then you do extra credit and you get the fruits of that and it, it's so often easy to think that that just spills over into matters of faith. That's why I love what C.S. Lewis once said: "God has been waiting for the moment at which you discover." That there's no question of earning a pass mark in this exam or putting him in your debt. When it comes to having a relationship with God, when it comes to knowing the creator of the universe, 
God has been waiting. He's waiting right now. You may be here for the very first time. You may have come from I don't know what church background or unchurched background, but God has been waiting for the moment at which you discover, at which the light turns on in your head and heart, that having a relationship with him, it's not a question of earning a pass mark in this exam or putting him in your debt. And it's such a difficult lesson for religious people to learn, and it's even a more difficult lesson for religious leaders to learn. And I are one of them. I am. You see, I remember back when I was uh, 25, and I walked into a seminary class. And the first day of class, the professor said, pull out a piece of paper. You're going to take a pop quiz. And so I pull out my paper. I got my pen. First day of class. Okay, here it is. And he says, if you were to stand before God right now, why would he let, he asked you, why, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And I started writing. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. And then when time was up, you know, raised my hand. And I said, here it is. Here's my answer. My answer was, because I tried to preach your word faithfully, Because I, was, I, I tried to be a true and faithful minister of the gospel. Why should I let you into heaven? Because I tried to preach your word faithfully. I tried to be a faithful and true minister of the gospel. Huh? Fleshed that out and everything. And the professor then asked, Anything about Jesus in your answer there? Oh, oh yeah, oh, him, yeah, you know, no, I mean, and I got a, I got an F, I did, I failed, all right, and then my, then my professor said, don't worry, don't worry, Randy, that's okay, remember the title of this course, Doctrine of Grace, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think like an unbeliever. I don't even think like a believer. I think like a pastor. I need this. And Jesus, had, Jesus said, let's talk. And you know what? I think our community needs it. And here's why. We've, you know, we, we, we want to know who our audience is in, in our community. And so we have secured you know, demographics. Uh, demographics about Champaign-Urbana area. And, you know, we have discovered, and this is, this is just an interesting piece of information, We've been, we have discovered that 43% of our community prefers or has a background from a religious system or denomination that, that basically teaches this. If I obey... God will love me. If I obey, God will love me. If I obey, God will love me. You know? And we need to hear this conversation. And so let's listen in. Let's overhear what Jesus says. To this man named, this man of the Pharisees, verse 1, named Nicodemus. Now, it's interesting that we learn here about 
Nicodemus just in these first few verses. He, was, he, he belonged to a religious group, a, a leadership group in Jerusalem at the time called the Pharisees. Uh, the name literally means the separate ones, the separate ones. And they, were, they, were, they had originated as a kind of a back to the Hebrew Bible movement. And, and, uh, and he was a part of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. If you were to combine our Supreme Court and our Congress into one group, that would kind of be like the Sanhedrin. And so, and, and so we know, we know just in this very short amount of time that he's an older gentleman, older he's going to be somewhat affluent he's going to be highly educated and he's going to be he's going to be of leadership stock he's going to be a person of influence and uh, and, and and this says something about his name too this is interesting the name nicodemus literally means victor over the people victor over the people so this guy's got leadership stock and so he comes and yet john tells us he came to jesus at night now why did he come at night Oh, there's been a lot written about that. And, you know, some say that uh, he came at night because he was trying to protect his reputation, trying to protect himself, going to kind of meet with Jesus on the sly in stealth to try to find out a little bit more. Others say, no, it wasn't that. It was that he just needed a little more extended conversation. He wanted more time with Jesus, not the hustle bustle, the hustle and bustle of the daytime. He wants to... He just wants to have an. He wants to have this over here with Christ, and and still others. And and I'm I'm wondering if it's this. Maybe it might be these other two, but it might be this too. When John uses the word night, uh, he he uses it not only in a, in a in a literal sense, but also in a symbolic sense. John may be trying to tell us something about Nicodemus that Nicodemus is not so ready to admit, which is this: not night. Night has to do with darkness and lostness. And that may be where Nicodemus is. Here he has seen something, uh, this amazing, amazing person uh, about whom it was said in John chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, that many people saw miraculous signs Jesus was doing and believed in his name. My goodness, this amazing man. Here Nicodemus, he was tenured, he was affluent, he had, he had gone through this career track to get to where he was he was an achiever he had worked and he had achieved and he had gotten there and then at his age and then he sees this amazing amazing rabbi this amazing amazing teacher and and it's kind of like you know you work all your life to get to the olympic games and you realize okay maybe i finally got a shot you know in the swimming event to get a medal and you get in the water and you look across the lane and there's michael phelps (gasps) You know, and you see a whole nother league. I finally get to the PGA. Finally, finally, and you see, and you realize there's Tiger. Oh, whole nother level, whole nother. And, and Nicodemus, he's this amazing, amazing person, and he becomes curious. Let's just stop right there because we talked about the curiosity factor, didn't we? Jesus aroused Nicodemus curiosity, and church family, if we're ever going to get to this table, that has got to be what happens in our interactions with folks. We've, we've got, and so the question is, you know, do, is the way we live, do our lives, does our speech, does our work ethic, our marriage, how we do money, how we do parenting, is that enough to uh, attract the curiosity of someone who, to the extent that they would want to have a nighttime discussion 
with us? Is it? It needs to, it needs to if we're going to get there. See? And unfortunately, in some cases, it, it doesn't. In fact, some lifestyles of believers just repel unbelievers. I, I'm thinking about... Uh, Something Dan Kimball wrote in his book, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. This person said, I did grow up in a church, but now I'm a Buddhist. What? Isn't that supposed to be the other way around? I did grow up in the church, but now I'm a Buddhist. When I became a mother, I wanted my daughter to have a spiritual upbringing. However, I didn't want her to become like the Christians in the church I knew. They were always so negative and complaining about everything. And I wanted my daughter to be in a positive environment. I became a Buddhist since they are much more loving and peaceful people than those in the church. Ouch. Hmm. Ouch. Here's another ouch. This person said, a coffee shop worker put it this way, I hate working on Sundays because that's when the Christians come in. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Remember that at lunchtime. Do our lives cause unbelievers to pause? Is curiosity aroused? If not, we're not going to get here. Well, that's, this, is where, this, is, this is what Jesus did. And he caused Nicodemus to pause, came to Jesus at night. And this is great. <laughs> this, is, this is great. When you kind of peel back, I wish I could have just been there and been in that culture and immersed to just really get the full flavor of this and Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. We, we know. For, 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 for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. It's, 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 it's kind of a polite yet condescending introduction. It, it really, we know. We, we know, we, you know um, Jesus, I, you know, I represent some friends and the group that we hang out and we've been watching you and we think you have potential we 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 think you're gifted we we think that you have a you've you've got a career ahead of you you know and 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 you don't have to thank me for this we think we can help you we think we can and and so you know because we and we we think that you know god's with you no one could perform the miraculous signs you know it's just kind of polite, condescending way to say it. And to which Jesus just kind of, and remember, Nicodemus is a leader. He likes straight talk. And so Jesus kind of cuts to the chase here in verse three. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. One sentence, Jesus succinctly summarizes what a relationship with God is about. And, and can I just can I just push the pause button on that? Because here we are at being able to succinctly state the gospel. We've aroused the curiosity here, and now we want to be able to succinctly state the gospel. And, and uh, time for a commercial. <laughs> this is why we're having Gary Poole here Friday and Saturday. He'll be teaching us next weekend, and, and where we're going to learn that. And, uh, and another commercial. This is why we've uh, uh, distributed uh, for our small group a curriculum, the three habits of highly contagious Christians, and, and we'll be learning the drill on succinctly stating the gospel here on page 56 of your small group cu- curriculum. The, the do versus done. 
Religion is spelled D-O. Do this, do that, perform this religious deed, perform that religious deed, versus the gospel, versus Christianity, spelled D-O-N-E. And part of this church family is we just got to become so familiar with the drill that it just becomes a part of our thinking so that at a moment's notice, because I've gotten word from you all through the emails that I've sent out that, you know, you, know, you are about to leave work, and just as you're out the door, someone says to you, do you believe in God? And you say yes, and why? Now, you know you've got about 45 seconds to answer that. You're not, you know, well, let, let me give you this tape. It's 30 minutes long. You don't have that much time. You've got 45 seconds to deliver the mail, see? And that's why, you know, the do versus done is, is an excellent, excellent, it's Succinct. Here's another. I like that Bob Russell uh, is, is just one of my favorite preachers, and he's a kind of a preacher hero to me. He was at 40 years at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And here is his succinct summary of the gospel. Listen to this God made man and loved him, but man sinned and fell from God's grace. But God, in his great Love sent his son to die for man's sins and cleanse him. Now, if I yield my life to him, he will cleanse me of my sins and give me his joy. Simple, succinct. I like that because every word in that explanation is one syllable, one syllable, see? So we arouse the curiosity, we simply and succinctly state the gospel, and, and that's what Jesus did. Let's look again at verse three, and, and, and I, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Here's this word picture now, we're moving into the word picture part of the process. Word picture, what word picture does Jesus use? He uses that phrase, born again. Now, <laughs> you know that that phrase has been really you know, dragged through our country's cultural dust for so long that it just has kind of emerged grimy, you know, and a gritty, and it's, you know, you, if you go to a family reunion in the next month and, and, and someone, a cousin says, where do you go to church? And you say, well, well, you know, I go to Windsor Road Church of the, what's happening now? They're going to say, oh, wow, my goodness, it's wonderful, you know. But if you say, they say, where do you go to church? And you say, well, I go to Windsor Road Christian born-again church. They're going to say, oh, my. Really? Um, and you're well. I mean, I mean you're, you know, are you well? I mean, and, and it, it's a, this is a cult? I mean, what? I mean, tell me about this and all. So, see, this, this phrase, born again, see, you may not even know that because we're, and we're in this, but back to the world kind of has this, ooh, born again, ooh. ooh. And, and, and that totally, that phrase has just totally been dragged through our cultural dust. It's just, our, that's why I think we really need, when we look at this phrase and we look at this passage of Scripture and we talk about birth, we need to, we need to, we need to look at the footnote. Do you see the footnote there? It's the footnote here in the NIV, and I'm sure it's in your Bibles. He is born Anathan. Born from above. 
born from above. Wow. Born from above. Now, now let's, again, let's focus on this phrase. Born. You know what Jesus does? Jesus gives Nicodemus a remedy to a problem. You go to your doctor, you got a sore on your ankle, and you say, what's the, you know, what's the problem, doc? And the doctor said, well, here's a Band-Aid. And the doc does not, you know, she doesn't tell you what the problem is, just hands you the Band-Aid, and, but, okay, it's a Band-Aid. So it's not that big of a, but you go to your doctor, and the doctor says, uh, the leg's got to come off. You don't really even have to know what the problem is. The remedy, though, tells you the severity of the problem. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus has given Nicodemus a remedy here, a remedy. Well, what's the problem? Well, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need birth from above. You need, you need to be reborn. You need birth. What's he saying to Nicodemus? You're dead. You're dead. Nicodemus, I see dead people. (laughs) And they don't know they're dead. You don't know you're dead, but you're dead. You need the life you have right now is not going to get you where you want to go. So you need another life. You need a new life. You need life from from above. What? How can a man be born when he is old? I mean, surely he cannot enter the, his, his mother's womb to, to be born. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. So Jesus begins to connect with Nicodemus' heritage because John chapter 3, verse 5, is is referenced back to Ezekiel the prophet. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 25, and 26. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of of flesh. Nicodemus, the life you have right now is not going to get you where you need life. You, need, you don't need more law. You need a work of God in your heart who will give you a new heart, a new spirit, something that which totally comes from the throne of God, something that is brought about by the undomesticated, untamed, wild spirit of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. I, I, Randy was begotten into the kingdom of this earth by his physical father, and Randy is begotten into the kingdom of heaven by his heavenly father by means of the undomesticated, untamed, divine spirit of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Spirit and wind come from the same root word, so it's kind of a plan on words there you hear it sound you you know the the wind is mysterious you don't know where it's coming from you don't know where it's going well we do in the 21st century but not back then it was mysterious and unpredictable and so it is with everyone born of the spirit and and i see what jesus is saying to nicodemus you know in in our culture we know we know that faith-based 
programs have a powerful effect like in prisons. I've talked to you about Catherine Rohr's uh, uh, prison entrepreneurship program and the back-to-prison back to ratio is like in the single digits and, 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 and Chuck Colson's prison fellowship has an incredible... See, but the mistake would be if we would say, okay, that faith, that's good for those people, you know, those people and, and folks who write articles or op-ed editorials would say, well, okay, it's good for those people. Well, no. See, Nicodemus would have been one who have written we're written that. Jesus is saying, no, Nicodemus, you need it too. You're, you're not any closer to God than they are. See? How can this be? I mean, Nicodemus is, Nicodemus had never wondered about his relationship with God. So, he's, he's, he, never, he never lay awake at night going, am I really saved? Well, of course I'm saved. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a religious leader. Of course I am. And Jesus says, no, you you got it. It's not a matter of, okay, Nicodemus, uh, you've gone halfway. I'll take you in the rest. <laughs> you've got to go back to the beginning, man. You need a whole new life. And Nicodemus goes, how can this be? I, I don't get and Israel and, and Jesus confronts him. Look at verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? I mean, Nicodemus, you don't need to be a scholar. You need to be a believer, you're, you're not getting it because you don't want to believe it. Then he says this, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we, it's a wonderful retort. Because remember earlier, Nicodemus came and said, Jesus, you know, I've been talking to my group and we think, you know, we know that you're from God and, and I've been talking to my guys. We know that you, you wouldn't be able to do this if God weren't with you. And, and Jesus kind of responds and says, well, Nicodemus, I've been talking to my group, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and we think we know what we're talking about here. <laughs> but you, you just don't believe. I, I mean, look, look, 12, I'm talking to you about simple elementary things like, like birth and wind and later on bronze snake. I mean, these are elementary, fundamental things. And if, you don't, if you're not getting that, how are you ever, gonna, how are you ever going to figure out any conversation on the heavenly things. And then Jesus, in verse 13, gives what I think is one of the most important verses in this entire passage of Scripture. He says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. You see, Nicodemus is under the assumption that Jesus is kind of like, Ezekiel or Isaiah, some prophet who's caught a glimpse of, born on earth, caught a glimpse of heaven, he's coming back to report. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm from heaven. Heaven is my home, and, I'm, and so I'm here to, you know, he's, he's trying to say, he's trying to say, you know, Nicodemus, I'm Batman. I'm God in the flesh. I'm the son of man. Don't you realize who I am? And then again, see, he arouses the curiosity, succinctly, simply states the gospel in a sentence. He, he attaches word, picture, birth, wind, and now a, a word picture which, which totally connects with Nicodemus' background. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. What's that about? Huh? Well, Jesus takes Nicodemus back to an episode in the history of God's people where they were once again in the wilderness 
belly aching and whining and complaining about their plight around the wilderness, you know. God became so frustrated. In Numbers chapter 21, verses 6 through 9, here it is. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. That that event Jesus references here when he says, just as, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is trying to show Nicodemus his bite marks. Jesus is trying to say, look, man, you have got venom in your veins. You're, you've been poisoned, Nicodemus. And just as God's people looked up At the snake, at the bronze snake that God had provided. So you need to look up. The Son of Man must be lifted up. The phrase must appears twice in this section. It appears first when Jesus says, you must be born again. And then it appears when Jesus says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And they are are two, they're two, Lift musts that are, that are tied together, you know, epoxy, they cannot, they're inseparable. That's what I'm trying to say. They're inseparable. You gotta have, for the, for the birth to happen, to be born again, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Because when a birth happens, who brings about the birth anyway? Nobody knows. <laughs> well, you moms would know. Yeah, you moms would know. The, the, the mother brings about the birth, right? It's the mother's anguish. It's the mother's pain. It's the mother's labor. It's the mother's blood. That brings about the baby's birth. The baby, what's the baby do? Oh, nothing. The baby just gets born and then gets held and gets fed and gets changed. Oh, it's about as good as it's ever going to get. Who needs the lottery, right? I mean, but it's great. The mother brings about the birth, the labor, the pain, the anguish. And do you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I am the mother. I am the mother. John chapter 16, verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Nicodemus, I'm going to be lifted up. And it's going to be as a mother in labor, in pain, in blood, giving birth. And and as I die, I'm going to see you born and I'm going to have joy. Because of love, for God so loved the world. <sighs> Curiosity, succinctly stated, word picture. And you know what happened then? We don't know. <laughs> John doesn't tell us what happened right here. I mean, did Nicodemus come to We don't just like go into the next scene. After this, Jesus' disciples went, wait a minute. 
And isn't that how it often is, you know? You have this table conversation. You talk to this person about Christ, and you just want so badly. But you know what? You've got to deliver the message and then let God do his work. We don't really hear about Nicodemus until, well, John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 50 and 51 Jewish leaders, the Pharisees kind of gathered. They were concerned, worried. But then we hear from Nicodemus, John 7, 50, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? Whoa. Whoa. There's a part of the process, right? And then what happened after that? Well, we don't hear. We don't hear from Nicodemus Anymore, but we see Nicodemus over in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 38. John chapter 19, verse 38. After the cross, after Jesus died, it says in verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Christ. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of fear of the Jews. And he went to Pilate to ask permission for the body. He took the body away. And then look at verse 39. It says, he was accompanied by, who is that? Nicodemus. The man, and make no mistake, which Nicodemus? The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, 75 pounds. And then it says, look in verse 40, taking Jesus' body, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it. My goodness, that's huge. Because you see, as a, he was a religious leader and touching the cadaver automatically disqualified him from participating in Israel's most important holiday, the Passover But I think John is trying to tell us that here Nicodemus has come to trust in Jesus. You see, watching Christ on the cross, all of this processing that took place, then he sees Jesus on the cross, he sees Jesus lifted up, and then it hit him. Numbers, I've been bitten, venom. I've got to look up. As, As God's people looked up at that bronze snake, I need to look up to Jesus. And if I look up to him in faith and in trust and totally depending upon him, he will give me a new heart. He will put a new spirit in me. And I will know life that is truly life. And church, it's not just for Nicodemus. It's for you and it's for me. Oh, now that's good news. That's a conversation. Not do, D-O, but done. 